Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. Um, after our family vacation and those few cancellations, we, we have really, really missed you guys. So um, just know that we are so glad to be with you again and love you all very much and feel so glad to be part of this family. And um, it's just a gift to be together. And it's a gift to be outside, right? Was anyone else, like, trapped in their house? I didn't leave the house for three days because we had a sick toddler and freezing temperatures. So it's just, like, so exciting to be outside. So um, hope you're feeling that excitement with me. Um, and thank you, Kathy Nimmer, for bringing the word so faithfully to us for two Sundays. Um, can we just thank Kathy once again for doing that? We're blessed by your willingness to share your gifts and talents with us, Kathy. Thank you. So if you were here last week or if you listened online, you will recall that Kathy preached about Jesus' baptism from Matthew 3. So Jesus' baptism was this incredible experience in which the heavens opened up and we have this rare experience of hearing the audible voice of God the Father. And he says over Jesus, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And can you imagine the experience this must have been? In Christian circles, we call this one of those mountaintop experiences, to hear the word of God, to experience God in a new way. It's one of those experiences you just want to stay in forever. But when we keep reading on in the Gospel of Matthew, we see that things take a very quick turn. From hearing the audible voice of God the Father to then the very next line is, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whoa, whiplash. From from baptism to temptation. From incredible delight to difficulty. From hearing the voice of God to facing off with the devil. This was Jesus' experience on earth. If we're honest with ourselves, who else has had this kind of experience too? From a mountain high top experience to a temptation and a low pretty quickly. Well, this time of the year, the beginning of February, they, studies actually show that this is a very common experience for Christians and non-Christians alike. So they say that a lot of Americans ride through the holidays on this really big high, you know, Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's, all the sugar and family and stuff. And then about five weeks in, about now, February, um, we start to hit a little bit of a, a low And they show that uh, people who set New Year's resolutions, anyone set a New Year's resolution? Anyone? We have no resolutioners. Wow, that's okay. Well, they say that people who set New Year's resolutions, they're so excited coming off the holidays that they're going to launch into this new form of life, and five weeks in, 80% give up. 80%. I've said that stat before, but it's just... So, so crazy to me. It's worth re-mentioning. 80% after just five weeks. I wonder if you've ever been there. You have these dreams and visions of where God is leading you, of this incredible experience with God, of who God wants you to be, what God wants you to do with your life, changes you want to make, and just five weeks later, you give up. Why is that? 
Why are we so prone to give up on this fullness of life that God intends for us? Why are we so quick to throw in the towel? One word for you, temptation. One word, I'll say it three times, temptation, temptation, temptation. That's what we're going to cover today. We all face it. Jesus faced it. But here's the good news for you today. Jesus conquered temptation over and over and over again. And get this, because Christ is with us, what we celebrated at Christmas, because Christ is with us, we too have the power to conquer temptation. So we don't have to be part of that 80%. It means we don't have to give up. It means we don't have to settle for less than God envisions for our lives. Through Christ, we have the power. That's good news, is it not? Yes? Anyone? So that's what we're going to study this morning, temptation, and the ways that Christ enables us to conquer it. And all of this is in order that we may live for God's purposes in our lives. So to guide us, we're going to look at Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to turn there in your Bibles if you aren't there yet, or just um, close your eyes and listen to the word of God. But before we read, let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word to us. Thank you most of all for your word made flesh in Jesus Christ. Thank you for Christ's spirit that enables us to enact your commands and your will for our lives. May all of the words that come from our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hear now the word of the Lord from Matthew 4, starting verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And afterward, he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Temptation, temptation, temptation. Jesus faced it. You face it. I face it. We all face temptation. We all want to beat temptation, don't we? Anyone? Anyone here want to beat temptation? A couple people. 
a couple people. The rest are just like, whatever. <laughs> now, I'm not a huge sports buff, but I did play sports for long enough to know that the best way to beat an opponent is to know their strategy. So today, say the Rams find the playbook of the Patriots, I'd say that they are looking pretty good to know how to win the game, right? I actually this week had to look it up to make sure I knew who was playing. So (laughs) just an insight on that. But that is the best way to win and beat an opponent is to know the moves they're going to make and then you can make your moves accordingly. It's the best way to win a game. So here's some good news for you. We have Satan's playbook. Scripture shows us over and over that Satan has three main strategies he uses. Three main plays. That's about it. It looks different in shape and form, but there are three main plays he makes, and so we can plan accordingly. He's not very creative. So Satan is going to tempt us in three main ways, and Jesus shows us how to conquer these. So that's what we're going to look at, the ways that Satan tempts us, Satan's playbook, and then Jesus' playbook, which is really incredible and gives us incredible power. So pretty easy, huh? I'm going to show you how to win the Super Bowl against Satan today. So first, let's look at Satan's playbook. What kind of moves does he make? When does he make them? So here's the first one. When is Satan going to make his moves? And the answer is anytime. So expect temptation Anytime, all the time, temptation is certain. Just be ready for it. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever stage of life you are in, I promise you, you will face temptation. And I need to say this because some of us have this false notion that once we become Christians or once we devote our lives to mission for God, then life is supposed to be really easy. Then we're not supposed to face temptations. Then we're just supposed to live in this like perpetual honeymoon with God where it's, it's just easy all the time. But friends, that's not what God promises. That's not what scripture shows. God doesn't promise us just like this easy problem-free life But he does promise to be with us, and he promises absolutely that his strength will see us through the temptations and difficulties. So we see this clearly in Jesus' life. I mentioned it already. Jesus moves from hearing God's words, you are the beloved with whom I am well pleased, straight from that baptism experience into the wilderness for 40 days where he's tempted by the devil. So if you ever feel bad that you're facing temptation— Like, Jesus faced it a lot. He faces it here. He faces it in the garden. Satan encounters him again. We can guarantee that he probably faced temptation throughout his ministry. If you're facing temptation, don't be surprised. It is common in the Christian life. So the same is true with us. You will be tempted. But remember, temptations, they might come especially when you're feeling very close to God. They might come especially when you're seeking to live on mission for God. Because here's the thing. The devil doesn't want you to be close to God or to live on mission for God. There are two prominent times when, sorry, I keep getting this feedback. Should I do something different or no? Okay, I'll just move my hair here. Maybe I can, uh, does this help? No. 
makes it worse. What's that? Get the hand on. Oh, there we go. We'll try. I have mic problem. It is the new mic, but I just am a feedback kind of person, I guess. Yeah. Can you all hear me on this one? Is that okay? All right. Okay. Got that covered. So here's the thing. Satan is not going to want you to be close to God. That is the number one thing that Satan wants to prevent, is you being close to God and you living on mission for God. So there are two times that we see Satan prominently show up to Jesus. One, when he's about to begin his ministry, right after he's heard these words from God the Father. And two, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to go to the cross. Two pivotal times in his life when he's about to make this significant move that's going to change the world for the kingdom of God. So if you find yourself facing temptation, don't be discouraged. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It just might mean the exact opposite. That God is very close to you. That God is doing something really powerful in your life. And Satan sees that. And does not want that. So don't be surprised and don't be discouraged if you face temptation. Because it's certain in the Christian life. But when you face temptation, you don't have to be frightened. And here's why. I mentioned it before. We have Satan's moves. We have his playbook. It turns out that he's not very, um, not very creative in the ways that he tempts us. It's quite predictable. So from Genesis, we see it with Adam and Eve, to the Gospels with Jesus, and all throughout the Bible, there are three main strategies that Satan uses. So I encourage you to pull out some notes if you want to write these down. I've also sent this PowerPoint to Kathy. I'll have her post it with the, with the sermon um, audio if you want to revisit it. So these are the three main temptation strategies, okay? Possessions power, and prestige. Nice and easy with three Ps. Possessions, power, prestige. These are the three things that Satan uses to tempt us to rely on ourselves rather than on God. These three temptations, they come in different shapes and sizes depending on who you are, your stage in life, your, um, your whatever setting you're in. But at the core, they're the same. At the core, Satan wants to use these three things to get you to rely on something other than God. So this is how it works for Jesus in the wilderness. So first, Satan tempts Jesus to turn stones into bread. Now, I've put up these charts up here on the slides. Don't be overwhelmed by them. We're going to go over them um, and unpack them slowly. But I just want to show them to you all at once so we can unpack them all together. So first, Jesus is tempted to turn stones into bread. That was tempting Jesus to rely on physical possessions, in this case, physical food, rather than on the divine power of God. 
So with possessions, you'll see that Satan gives him a lie. That's what's on the bottom chart here. With every temptation, there comes a lie about our identity. Remember that Jesus has just heard this identity spoken over him. You are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. That is Jesus' identity. That is who God says he is. But Satan doesn't want him to believe that. Satan wants him to believe in a different lie about his identity. I am what I have. Jesus, you can't survive without this physical food. You can't rely on this. You can't be um, secure in your identity. You have to focus on your security and survival, Jesus. So you'll see there I've moved over to the priority. Satan wants us to shift our priority from focusing on God and God's will for our lives into securing something for ourselves, this physical security and survival. So this is what Satan tempts him. Turn these stones into bread. Provide for yourself. Don't rely on God the Father. You are what you have. Focus solely on your security and your survival. So, so we'll see that possessions, it, it's not just about money. It's a, it certainly includes that, but it means relying on anything physical um, that we, uh, other than God. Jesus was tempted to provide food for himself. The Israelites in the desert were tempted to gather more manna than they needed for the Sabbath, um, rather than trusting that God was going to provide for it. Eve is tempted to eat the fruit of the tree rather than trusting God's command not to. Now, it's important to note that possessions are not bad, right? Food is not bad. I love food. Anyone else love food? Yes. Food is good. Food nourishes us. Food sustains us. God gives us food as a gift. So it's not that these things are bad. Having a home and clothing to keep us warm is not bad. Anyone else say amen to that this past week? Yes, that is a gift. These are gifts of God. We're called to provide these for other people if they don't have them. The problem is when we place our identity in these things. When we are putting possessions above the will of God. When we are saying my physical security and survival is my number one priority above all else. So I am going to accumulate and accumulate uh, whatever God says. I don't trust God. I'm going to accumulate for myself because it is up to myself to get my own security and survival. So let's, let's look at what this would have looked like in Jesus' life had he succumbed to this temptation. If he um, found his identity in what he had, if he made his security and survival his number one priority, this is what would have happened. First, he never would have gone to the cross, right? That's like the number one thing you don't do when your security and survival is your number one priority, right? He would have fought tooth and nail to avoid all physical pain and discomfort, certainly would have avoided death, and his ministry would have looked totally different too if he would have focused on accumulating and having security and survival as his number one priority, his life would have looked so much different. Because if you didn't know this, folks, Jesus was really, really, really poor. He was homeless. He was constantly traveling, traveling around. He had to rely on others for food and shelter. 
He wasn't always in the safest places. He intentionally sought out those who were demon-possessed and really sick with incurable diseases, those who are on the margins of society who were considered dangerous, these are the kind of people that Jesus moves toward. So if he had given into the security and survival mindset, he would have avoided those situations like the plague. He would have used all of his power to just secure things for himself. A big, comfortable home, lots of food so he'd never be hungry, lots of guards to keep those dangerous people away. But that's not what Jesus did, did he? Possessions weren't where Jesus found his identity, not even in his own physical security and survival. Rather, Jesus' priority was doing the will of the Father, which often meant setting aside his own comfort. And he was able to do this because he trusted God, that there was something bigger going on in the world than what we can see, that something bigger is the kingdom of God. He answers, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friends, there is a realm at work beyond what we can see and touch and taste and feel Our true life comes from God. And we are promised that even when our security and survival ends, even when you take your last breath on this earth, it's okay. Because we do not live by bread alone or oxygen alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we are promised everlasting life, that our life will continue. There is more than what meets the eye. So we can trust God Jesus is the beloved. He says that you are the beloved too. So you can trust your security and survival to the God who gives you life everlasting. So that's the first temptation. is to trust in possessions and what we can accumulate, what we can have, to make our security and survival our number one priority rather than seeking first the kingdom of God and God's will and where he calls us and what he calls us to do. So when we in our lives, when we look at this, it's important for us to ask the questions, what ways are we giving into this temptation? I encourage you this week to go back to this chart. If you're writing it down or if you look it up, go back and really spend some time because I'm throwing you a lot of like really thick content right here. Um, But it takes a lot of personal reflection to really reflect on this in your own life. So I encourage you, like strongly encourage you to go back to this this week and pray through this and see the ways that some of these are creeping into your life and see the ways that Jesus can free you from these lies and temptations. So here are some signs that we might be giving in to this temptation. It's really hard to be generous when we're giving in to this temptation because we root our identity in what we have. If your identity is rooted in what you have, then it's really hard to give away. If your identity is rooted in this, it's really hard to serve those in need because it might feel uncomfortable And if your own security and and comfort is your number one priority, it's going to be really hard to get out of your comfort zone. If you're giving into this temptation towards the end of your life, it's going to be really hard to die. That's going to be the hardest one 
because you won't trust that there's something beyond the physical realm that you see. So that's the, that's the possessions area. Friends, we know the greater truth that, that there's a kingdom of God at work, that we are children of this kingdom of God. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that, word that comes from the mouth of God. So therefore, we can reject this temptation and live in freedom as Jesus did to do God's will. Okay, so on to the second one. Return to that one this week um, and pray about the ways that um, Jesus might want to be with you in that one. So the second one is prestige. And this is when uh, Satan tempts Jesus to throw himself down off the temple to be rescued by angels. Now, we have to understand that uh, the temple was the center of Israelite life. This is where everything important happened. This is where all the important people went to do important things. So this is like the Mecca, whatever you consider the Mecca to be, New York City, L.A., whatever, the, where you're going to get all your fame. That would have been at the temple. That's where, that's where you'd get your fame if something spectacular were to happen. So say Jesus were, go, were to go to this Mecca and then throw himself down and everyone sees this happen, immediately he would have been so popular. He would have had an immediate following. Everyone would have thought, wow, God really loves this guy. This guy is really special. He would have had widespread affection and esteem right out of the get-go, like immediate fame and maybe fortune. and People would have loved him. And that's precisely the temptation that Satan wants him to fall into. He wants to get Jesus to get so wrapped up in what others say and think about him that he doesn't follow what God has for him. He wants to, Jesus to make his top priority to be earning the affection and esteem of other people. Do this, Jesus, and then people will think you are so cool. But Jesus doesn't give in to this either, does he? He responds with the scripture, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus doesn't test the Father to prove his love and care for Jesus. He doesn't test the Father to prove that he is special. He doesn't test the Father to give him worldly prestige in the way that he wants to. Rather, he trusts and goes where the Father calls him to. Now, Jesus continued to fight this temptation for prestige all throughout his ministry. So, so think about Jesus' ministry. He was regularly being critiqued for what he did and didn't do. He got a lot of pushback. What he did and didn't say. If he had been living primarily just to please other people, to earn their affection and esteem, We can assume that Jesus would have just driven himself sleepless and crazy trying to meet the demands of every single person, right? Because it's an impossible task. Jesus, also, he would have spent most of his time with very different people. Forget all those small towns he went to, all those people on the margins. Forget about them. He would have cozied up just with the elite, those people who could spread his fame and increase his prominence. Forget those 12 disciples Um, He would have chosen more prominent figures. And Jesus would have always been tiptoeing around, trying not to offend anyone so that everyone would like him. It just makes me tired thinking about it, right? 
The whole cross thing, once again, never would have happened. The cross was the most humiliating thing you could ever have happen to you. To be hung almost nearly naked, helpless on a cross, that does not move you up in the world's eyes. But praise be to God, Jesus was stronger than this temptation. He was secure in who God said he was, and therefore he had freedom to follow the Father's plans for his life. So our question is, in what ways are we trying to find our identity and what others are saying or thinking about us? In what ways are we blocking ourselves from living into the freedom of that identity as the beloved of God, which gives us incredible freedom to follow where God leads, to live into the fullness of the kingdom? In what ways are we letting affection and esteem drive all of our actions? Again, it's not bad to have others think or speak well of us, but the problem is when that becomes our number one priority, living for human approval rather than God's approval. Because the truth is, whoever you're trying to gain approval from, that's who you're worshiping. Whether it's your social media feed or your friends at school or that person at work you're trying to impress, if you're making all your plans around them, they're the center of your worship. That's where your mind is focused. That's where your actions are focused. So let us, like Jesus, instead focus on God, what God says about us, what God has for our lives. So that's the second one. Again, this week, think about that one in your own life. And finally, the third one is power. So Satan tempts Jesus um, by offering him to rule over all the kingdoms of the earth if only Jesus will bow to him. The identity um, lie is I am what I do. The priority becomes power and control. But again, Jesus says, no, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. Jesus refuses to forego his allegiance to God in order to gain worldly power and control. Jesus denies this temptation in the wilderness and again and again throughout his ministry. Can you imagine Jesus' circumstance? Okay, get this. He's the creator and sustainer of all that there is. He has power to do whatever he wants. And there are so many times in his ministry where people just aren't doing what he wants. And his plans are getting frustrated. And just things, it would have been so much easier if he could have just, like, controlled everyone, right? And just made things go according to what he wanted. He could have been in power and control and had um, done whatever he wanted. But he didn't, did he? He showed humility in submission to the Father's will. He showed patience and steadfast love by refusing to control other people. And again, if Jesus would have surrendered to this, he never would have gone to the cross because that is an incredibly powerless situation. But Jesus trusts the Father, and here's the thing, in the end, because he trusts the Father, he gains His God's power is proved through him more than any worldly power he ever could have asserted. God's power is shown through him in greater ways than he ever could have asserted on earth. That's the truth with all three of these, um, my friends, is that our security, 
our affection, the power that is in God when we trust God is so much greater than anything that this world can offer. So it's a lot safer place to trust it to God anyway. So consider that one this week too. The ways that Satan is tempting you to try to have power and control over everything in your life. So to close us, um, I'm going to quickly look at at Jesus' responses. I I say quickly because we've already mentioned the ways that it happens. But this is it. How does Jesus respond? Scripture, that's his number one response. Scripture and then reliance upon the Holy Spirit. He fasts and prays. So I encourage us to do the same. Memorize scripture that applies to each temptation you're facing. Write down some scriptures on note cards. Place them where you need to see them. Place them at your workplace. Place them at home. Place them on the mirrors. Wherever you need to see them to help you. Try to get them inside so that you have them inside when the temptation comes. Read and repeat and read and repeat, read and repeat. The scripture is what is going to give you strength to fight the temptation, just as Jesus did. There are going to be scriptures for each one of these temptations. You can look at the ones Jesus used. There's lots of other ones um, for all of these areas. If you need some help finding some scriptures about certain temptations that you know pop up in your life, ask Pastor Brandon or me, or just search the scriptures yourself. Um, you will find them there. You can find so many scriptures about fighting possessions, power, prestige, temptations. And then the second is to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't do this um, all on his own. The Spirit was empowering him. The Spirit empowers you. But Jesus positioned himself to, to rely on the Holy Spirit. He fasted for 40 days intentionally fasted for 40 days. And that's not just from food. It's not just from the possessions piece. It's also from power and prestige. For 40 days, he bowed out of all three of these. He um, removed himself from the world in a way he was asserting no power in the world. He had no disciples. He had no say over what was going on. He had no prestige. Nobody knew where he was, what he was doing. He didn't have any possessions. He didn't have a home. He didn't have um, physical food to comfort him. He completely um, took himself away from these things that he might be tempted on to rely on for himself. And he removed himself from those things so that he could tap into the power of God. You better believe those 40 days were filled with prayer, right? He's removing himself from the things that he might rely on and instead is putting himself fully at the mercy of God the Father to strengthen him, to empower him. And we're called to do the same. If there's some area of your life that you're struggling with, consider a way that you might do a little fast. If you're tempted to misuse uh, food or drink, try a physical fast from those things. If you're tempted to rely on shopping to comfort you, try going a month without buying anything but groceries or other necessities. Just take a break. If you're tempted by prestige, maybe fast from social media or other ways that you try to earn others' approval. If you're tempted by power and control, consider ways you might refrain from trying to be in charge or always have the last word. 
Of course, you have to be responsible in all these ways and seek guidance. Um, it would be irresponsible for me to um, remove all of my power over our two-year-old daughter. That would be dangerous. But there are little ways that I can, right? Like letting her choose her outfit. So she wore a princess um, witch outfit for a couple days and drove me crazy. But, like, that's okay, you know, letting her have some power and control, even if she wants to wear a witch outfit to the grocery store. That's okay, you know. So (laughs) find ways that you can responsibly fast from what you need to fast from and pray. Pray like crazy. Memorize scripture and pray through it and ask God to be the one who gives you your strength. So that's it, folks. That's Satan's playbook. That is Jesus' playbook. And with that, you are destined to win in the fight against temptation. It's not going to be an easy fight. Um, It's going to take all the power of the Holy Spirit that you will be relying upon, but it is the power of God which can beat any worldly temptation. So go with strength and courage because you are empowered by the Spirit. So let us pray. Lord, we ask you for your strength to say yes to you. We ask for your strength to say no to Satan's temptations that might derail us from the fullness of life that you have for us. May Jesus' life be such an incredible witness to us of your power, of what you want for our lives, a life full of joy and purpose and meaning, a life that is without end. So we entrust ourselves to you. We pray for you to give us all the strength we need for every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.